You're listening to the CLE Foodcast with Lisa Sands, the place for delicious conversation on local food and the people who grow, cook, and share it. Here's Lisa. Hello, Cleveland food fans. Thanks for coming back for another episode. I have to tell you, I consider it a real honor that these guys made time for me. Today, I'm speaking with Scott Kuhn and Chris Hodgson, the management team behind the Driftwood Group. Now, you might not know them by that name, but you've probably dined at one of their restaurants, places like Sabreo or Bin 216 in Playhouse Square, or the Welshfield Inn out east in Burton. The dynamic team has more than 40 years of food and hospitality experience combined, and they've been affiliated with some of Cleveland's favorite restaurants, a couple of highly successful food trucks, and now they own one of the area's premier event spaces. So before we dive in, let's take care of a sponsor message. This podcast is supported by Farmer Jones Farm at the Chef's Garden. It's not too early to think about the makings of your Thanksgiving meal. Farmer Jones and the team at the Culinary Vegetable Institute in Milan, Ohio, have created a Thanksgiving box of the season's freshest nutrient-dense vegetables. It's got potatoes, carrots, greens, herbs, and more. It's everything but the turkey. Order by November 17th for pickup or shipping. Visit FarmerJonesFarm.com to place your order now. And Chef's Garden Vegetable Boxes make great gifts for family, friends, employees, and clients. Select from a variety of curated specialty boxes or create your own mix. Email info at FarmerJonesFarm.com to get started on your customized gift order. I love those vegetable boxes from Farmer Jones Farm, and I know you will too. Okay, Scott and Chris recently made news by sharing that they had more than 400 positions to fill across their entire company. Knowing this was an uphill battle, The pair announced a reinvigorated commitment to work culture and benefits, putting the real needs of employees out front, providing things like reduced rates on childcare, access to mental health support, and of course, living wages. I spoke with them from Landerhaven, the event space they purchased and renovated last year. We talked about the vision for their company and how they plan to evolve to grow, train, and maintain a customer service-oriented workforce that gets more out of work than a paycheck. Scott and Chris, I am very happy to be here with you today in person at Landerhaven, a place I have been countless times for both work and pleasure. How's it going today? It's going great. We're glad to have you here and excited to have a good chat. All right. Thanks so much, Scott. You both have a lot of experience in the food and hospitality industry. That goes without saying. But before we dive into some of the specific topics that brought me here today, I want both of you to give me an impression of the last 12 to 18 months. Perhaps what you've been going through, what you've noticed, and and what you feel right now today about the future. Scott, you want to start with that? That is a loaded question there. (laughs) Uh, Boy, the last 12 to 18 months has been um, a roller coaster ride with no no safety belt, no safety bar whatsoever. I mean, on a business level, we've been to rock bottom and we're working our way back. And on a personal level, um, you know, probably the most trying 18 months of my life, I have some health issues and um, COVID has you know, essentially forced my family and I to live in a bubble mm. for 18 months. So it's mm-hmm. been a little bit lonely. Um, it's certainly been challenging, but uh, the good news is there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're not out of the tunnel, but 
we can see the light. Chris, what about you? I would imagine you have a lot of similar feelings. Um, what are you thinking about today? What's on your mind? Well, this was a um, absolutely life-altering and life-changing uh, uh, 12 to 18 months. I still remember sitting in a chair and Scott calling me. Uh, I think it was March 13th, 2020, uh, and said, uh, you know, there's no safety bar on this roller coaster we're about to go through. And uh, he had been through 2008 and some of the financial downturns. And I was just, I was a cook at that time. So owning a business, you know, you didn't really understand what was going on. Um, and so to have his experience and to kind of, you know, I kept poking and prodding him of like, what's this mean? What's this mean? And he said, there's no safety bar. I don't know what this means. He's like, just, you know, try and buckle up. Um, but I, I was a little more fortunate. We got to do a lot of work for the for the clinics, for the hospitals. My time was pretty busy. You know, he, he wasn't able to be here as much. He wasn't able to be around uh, the few employees that we had left. And so I think the time went a lot faster for me mm -hmm. uh, than it did from, for him. And uh, I went down when Playhouse Square reopened uh, for Lion King. And it had been uh, a shocking 567 days since that theater was online. And um, it just took me by surprise to look that up and look at his calendar and say, it's, it's been that long. Mm -hmm. And uh, I looked back and forgot where all the time went. Yeah, we had one goal when this all really began to unravel and that was how do we ensure that driftwood comes out of this how do we ensure that people have jobs when we come out of this and so um, from day one um, we had one priority and that's to make sure that driftwood was still around at the end of this and we had the opportunity to bring back everybody that we inevitably would lose um, through no fault of our own but through a pandemic and it was it was so out of left field that there was no preparedness right. for this event. And so a credit to our team, we buckled down. Um, we kind of checked emotions and egos at the door and said, we're going to get through it. It's going to be rocky. It's going to be bumpy, but it's going to be okay. It goes without saying that you you had a lot of, uh, first of all, neither of you are, are new to the industry. You've seen a lot of ups and downs, you know, economical ups and downs. But here's a pandemic, here's COVID, here's a quarantine. But during last year, you really weren't quiet at all because you purchased Landerhaven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we knew we were either gonna be perceived as the smartest guys in the block or the There's dumbest no. guys on the block. But uh, the reality is, is, you know, opportunities only come around like this every so often. Um, we had eyed Landerhaven and executive caters in the past, and the stars aligned mm -hmm. um, for all the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, we made a conscious decision, again, with our company and our employees at the forefront of our thinking, that we knew at that point in August of 2020 that we were going to get through it. Mm -hmm. And we just felt that Driftwood was going to be in the best position to thrive for the next foreseeable future if we made this acquisition. And so mm -hmm. we decided to do it, and here we are today. 
Well, I would contend that there are very few people in Northeast Ohio that haven't spent time here for a special occasion, trade show, a bridal show, a family gathering, an anniversary, a dinner, a a wedding. This is a special place. So taking this on, I mean, obviously you guys are seasoned operators. You know how to run that food piece. Was there anything that really surprised you or that you thought, wow, there's a bit of a learning curve with regard to owning a, a venue that operates on a scale uh, like Landerhaven? Um, yes and no. I mean, this is a 100,000 square foot facility. And um, anytime you have a space that large, there are nuances that it takes time to learn. Fortunately, um, in the acquisition, we were able to retain some key people that had an unbelievable history here, which made that learning curve um, go through much quicker. Mm-hmm. Operationally, hospitality is hospitality, and Chris and his team have always done a great job of servicing large amounts of people. So the actual event side, we were quite used to that. Okay. From a building standpoint and a roof and windows and air conditioning units, sure, we're still getting used to that. But, you know, we remodeled almost every corner of this space mm-hmm. in the back half and first quarter of 2021. So I think it was a pretty smooth transition. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate being in this space today. A couple of months ago, I got to come in and do a tour because I was working on a project that involved an event that potentially might happen. I was really pleasantly surprised by the renovations, just just by the sprucing up that you guys did. It's a beautiful place. I think it's in amazing, amazing hands. So a couple of weeks ago, you guys issued a press release that talked about the need for, I believe it was something like 450 employees. You guys have a lot of restaurants, you have a lot of uh, businesses, and now you have this large facility. So you got to be under a rock right now to not hear the news that everybody's hiring. So now you've got to find 400 plus people. And you guys, what? You sat down and you said, stuff is broken. We know it can be different, you know, drawing on your years of experience in the hospitality and food industry. Can you tell me your thought process on how you guys are setting out to attract that number of employees and do things a little bit differently so that this is a place people want to work and more importantly, stay? Chris and I at our core are very similar. Um, We both started in this business at a young age, We both are very passionate about this business, and it, even in the darkest time of COVID, never seems like work. You know, we love our job, and as we've grown and we have in excess of 1,000 employees at full strength, your focus changes Mm -hmm. um, from collecting restaurants like trophies to um, understanding that at its core, your job is really making sure that you have the employees you need and that they're happy and that they're in an environment that um, not only that they're comfortable in, but that they enjoy coming to. And I think uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic uh, turned our industry upside down a little bit and shook it. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it was necessary and um, a little late to the party. And some of it is going to take some time to figure out. The piece that trails is how do you pay for all of these benefits and and upgrades that you want to do? And 
there's some sticker shock at mm-hmm. times from the mm-hmm. customer, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there has to be money to pay for these benefits. And I think we're starting to see it at the gas pump and at the grocery store. And ultimately, you're going to see it on the menu in restaurants because mm-hmm. employees do need to make living wages. Employees do need to have benefits. And I think Chris um, and I both are becoming more and more passionate and more and more in tune to not only what we would like to do as owners, but what's important to employees. Mm -hmm. And that has changed since we were both cooks in restaurants. Interests and what motivates people have changed. And that's a good thing. Yes, for sure. You know, so Chris, I want to direct this next question to you. You've held a lot of different roles in the industry. You just said you've been a, you've been a cook, you've, you've owned a food truck, and now I feel like you're this kind of titan of business, <laughs> right? You run uh, this universe of food and hospitality properties. So drawing on your experience and what you saw, how must the business change to be more attractive to career food and hospitality workers? What do you want to see happen and what are you doing as part of Driftwood? Actually, I'll give a, just a couple stories as, some, as kind of part of my answer. I would love it. Um, you know, this all began this year and when we said, all right, we have to reopen, we need to attract people. One of the things I watched and Scott alluded to it earlier here at Landerhaven was we kept and retained some really good employees that worked for executive. Now, I think one of them's 88 years old. I think one of them's worked here for over 27 years. And I was so accustomed to a dishwasher comes, a dishwasher goes. I looked at them and I said, you know, why are you doing this? And this is home. Mm-hmm. They found a family here. And mm-hmm. I said, well, that's an older school generation. How do I attract that family mentality, that camaraderie, that every single day you're going to come to work and you're going to go to battle together? Uh, and there were some things, and there's, there's a younger generation now. It was the pay. Mm-hmm. It was... You know, how do we make it so that a dishwasher doesn't make $8 an hour and they're going to make a living wage so that this is their sole job. They're not going to go out and find a second job. Right. And so they are committed fully. You know, this industry, especially in catering, depends very heavily on females. Yeah. It, it does. It is one of those things that it's an, it's an after work job for the server. The salespeople are all females. It, it tends to flow into that. Daycare was important for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what COVID showed us was that when COVID hit and kids had to stay home, mostly moms stayed home. And so trying to get people to come back out in the workforce while there was still this uncertainty of, will my kid get to go back to kindergarten? We said, well, we need to try and be a solution for some of these people mm-hmm. instead of just saying, figure it out. Yeah. Um, we'll come to you with some examples of how you can do it. So. The change that we see is, uh, you know, people want to be able to have an outside life, and they should have an outside life. I have three kids. Scott has two kids. Gone are the days that I was in the kitchen for 90 hours a week. Gone are the days that he's in the kitchen yeah. for 90 hours a week. And that's that's not a realistic expectation for some of these people that want to be able to have a, a family life and an outside life. And it, it's interesting that as you kind of grow up, you start recognizing some of the things that are important um, outside of, you know, the kitchen. And we want to be able to offer that. And Scott told me uh, four years ago or something, you know, my job's changed, Chris. My job is to make your life better and to make every single person that works for me life's better. And that's the mentality that we want to move forward with. You mentioned that you talked to 
uh, a number of employees here that had been here for, you know, 20 years or so. And as someone who's been to events here and for a time because of the line of work I was in, I felt like I was here, I don't know, a couple of times a month. It was really cool to see the same people working and helping you at different events, whether it was an evening event or a luncheon. Um, I really, I did get to know some people here, and I think that's pretty amazing. And I think it says a lot for people that want to stay with a company and organization for that long. So I love hearing you say that you, you know, you went to them, you asked them, as well as the newer generation of worker um, and what they are hoping for. I hear a lot of people talk about the life-work balance. And frankly, I'm hearing it more from men as well. Uh, And I think that's something that COVID threw at us. It wasn't just about the moms, the dads. It didn't matter if you were a a dishwasher or a doctor, you had to figure out how to get those kids taken care of, you know, or how to get them into some kind of schooling. So in that press release that I mentioned, there were a number of things that you had intended on uh, putting into place or enacting for your employees. You talked about things like culture. You just mentioned the importance of childcare. You also mentioned um, mental health support, which really, who doesn't need some mental health support <laughs> right about now? And, and just even some simple things like uh, raffles and drawings and finding out what your employees care about, what they like to support as far as nonprofits. So tell me a couple of things specifically that you said, here's what we're going to start doing. You said you started them in early October. Uh, what have you put in place? Give me a couple of examples. Well, first, some of the things we, we've been doing for a decade. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of the health insurance that Driftwood's been able to provide tickets to games for families. We've, we've always tried to be an industry leader. Mm-hmm. Um, when we hit the reset button in October, as you mentioned, in addition to things like childcare, we're talking about um, things that are critical to life, whether it's, as you mentioned, mental health. You didn't hear about mental health. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's front page news. And, um, you know, I have a life coach. I've had a life coach for 30 years. And her, her famous quote to me is, you can't postpone joy. And um, everybody has something. And in our industry where you work a lot, uh, you work on weekends, you work on nights, you work in days, sometimes it's difficult to find help. And so Chris and I at Driftwood have made a commitment, if you need help, part of our job is to find you that help. And we have a wonderful relationship with both the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospitals. We have personal relationships that should make access infinitely easier to our staff relative to mental health. In addition to that, uh, we're talking about things that are just plain and simple fun, whether Mm -hmm. it's a company trip, whether it's bonus opportunities, not everything is about dollars and cents. Some things about quality of life. We're not going to be able to get it all on day one, but we're going to have an attitude of continual improvement relative to employee benefits and employee welfare. Well, and you boldly put it out there. You've always been accountable. It's not that, but putting it out there, I know you've done some other uh, interviews about your intentions, about these efforts. Again, I think it's a really bold move, uh, and I think it's terrific that the industry is talking about it. Then I think it is fantastic that it is getting awareness and coverage because what's really important is for that diner to understand because they are experiencing it, uh, your restaurants, your facilities from their point of view. 
and things operate a little bit different, maybe a little bit more streamlined. And as you referred to before, maybe they will notice it in the cost. Is that something that's just been a long time coming? I mean, are we just used to inexpensive food? Do we really, as diners, have no idea (laughs) what you guys are faced with on a regular basis to balance your books? Well, look, Chris and I are customers too. And, you know, we go out to dinner just like the next person. Um, We tend to, to have a deeper insight into how prices make their way to a menu. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, we're dealing with commodities um, that are bought and sold, and uh, there are price increases, there are droughts, there are national disasters. All of these impact the cost of food, and that has nothing to do with improving benefits. That's a day-to-day battle that any restaurateur Um, who wants to stay in business battles. Mm -hmm. When you add to it a tremendous increase in the cost of goods and labor, that's where the game has to change a little bit, and that's where you really start to see some prices change. One thing we will never do at Driftwood is jeopardize quality to make a change. Mm -hmm. You're always going to get the best product that we can serve you. We're not going to make up that cost by serving a lesser quality product product. Mm -hmm. And so Chris and the culinary team just do an amazing job of getting creative and trying to put food on a menu that always has value. Mm -hmm. If the customer perceives value, the price really doesn't matter. It's when there is no perceived value that any business, not just the restaurant business, gets in trouble. Mm -hmm. And um, so our goal is to make sure that there's value in anything we put in front of a customer. Mm -hmm. Chris, I'm going to direct this question to you. Is the hospitality field, the food restaurant field, a great field to get into right now? Do you feel like it's a good time to join and, and particularly to join with a, a very skilled, a very intentional, thoughtful management group like Driftwood? Well, you know what? And it's, uh, it's kind of funny. I remember sitting with my mom and saying, hey, mom, I'm going to culinary school. And then she said, well, and then what? What are you going to do later in life? And I said, well, I'm going to be a chef. And, you know, I never, I never knew, expected I would have any of this. Mm. But I knew that people would always have to eat. And I always loved serving people. And I always found great passion in that. And so... You know, this is an unbelievable industry. There is so much satisfaction on every single day, whether it's cooking the perfect burger that someone says was the best burger they've ever had or having a bride's mother say it was the greatest wedding that Mm. she's ever been to. There is so much satisfaction. That's not to say that this is not an industry that's that's hard work, but one of the biggest things that we do at Driftwood and that's important for people to understand is that we want to be mentors. We want to be able to teach you how to not just... We'll teach you not how to run a, a restaurant, but it's just a widget. It's just business. We can teach you how to start your own kayak company if you want your own kayak company. But to get into this, which is a service-based industry and one that has two incredibly smart guys that really want to help their employees, uh, I think it's a great time to get in, whether this is the career path that you choose or uh, you decide to learn life lessons here. I think um, as a society, we devalued trade schools 20 years ago. Yeah. And I think um, that has caught up to us. And uh, my advice to, to any young girl, any young boy, young man, young woman is if you're passionate about something, there's no greater asset that you can have is to love what you do. And we see a lot of college students come out with degrees 
that have nothing to do with the field that they're in. And I know a lot of trade schools, whether they're pipe fitters or culinary schools or electrical schools, um, they need people. And those are the jobs that are available right now. And so I hope that as a society, we start to tell kids again, it's okay to go to culinary school. It's okay to learn to be a pipe fitter and you can make a really good living in those careers. And I think once we get back to that, we'll be in a better place. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that it's imperative for someone to go to culinary school? Can, uh, can someone come on board and spend five years with you guys and, and be pretty prepared to go and, and do whatever they like? Or are you uh, proponents of going to a traditional culinary school or at least getting some kind of formal education in that way? Well, both Chris and I have enough college years to be doctors and ended up with... Uh, <laughs> Zero degrees for me. Um, we both took our time through school. Mm -hmm. um, there's no better experience than on-the-job experience. Mm -hmm. And Chris and I like to describe Driftwood as an open book business, meaning um, we share our financials with our staff. Um, there's no better way to learn than on our dime. And if you truly aspire to have a career in this business, we will share everything with you. Mm -hmm. And just a remarkable way to learn mm -hmm. and to learn a, a budget, learn a P&L, and how to operate a business. Mm -hmm. The other great thing that we have is so many different uh, avenues and outlets. You know, we have maintenance people that work here at Landerhaven. You don't just have to want to be a cook. We have concessionaires. Right. We have manager positions, chef positions, sales positions, accounting positions, front of the house. Um, and so it's one of those things, and we get it a lot within our own organizations where someone will raise their hand and say, you know, I've been doing this for two years. What's that job look like over there? And we say, well, let us let us teach you it. Let us show you about this job. And uh, a lot of people can become jack jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit um, from your perspective. I feel like when you sort of you know came on the scene, from my perspective, all of a sudden I heard of you. Then you know you had this successful food truck, and I feel like you were out there. And now now you're now you're responsible for the hiring and the development and um, really setting the culinary um, benchmarks or boundaries of this of this company. Um, how has that changed for you personally? I mean, are you finding where you are at now in your career? Are you very are you very satisfied or do you kind of miss those 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 crazier days where um, I don't know, everything seemed a little bit more like shiny and new and flashy. And how, how do you feel about that? Or are you in a different life phase? You know, I, th I think I'm in a completely different life phase. Um, I had my 10 seconds of fame. I really enjoyed it. But to be able to go home to my three kids, to be able to go home with my wife, uh, to watch other people grow, to watch, you know, our executive chef of catering, who's now the executive chef of probably the largest catering group in Ohio, I had to beg her to be a sous chef four years ago. And then I had to beg her to take an executive chef job because she didn't feel she could do it. Mm -hmm. And to see her growth, to see where she's gone. And there's countless, countless success stories like that within our organization that uh, being able to advance them, being able to give them, a, you know, the life that they want, that they never thought that they could probably have. Because as I mentioned earlier, I thought I was going to have a food truck and a restaurant. I, I never envisioned this. Uh, I'm very lucky to have a partner like Scott, and he's lucky to have a, the dad he had. I'm lucky to have the dad I have. Uh, well, when I first started my food truck, and I don't remember this portion. He remembers <laughs> it. When I first had my food truck, uh, 
I, I thought the only way that I could tell people about myself was to th through social media. Mm -hmm. And I went on Michael Simon's fan page, and this is back before Facebook shut this down, but I friended and sent an email to every single person that followed Michael Simon and said, <laughs> look at what I'm bringing to Cleveland. And this guy sat there and said, you know what? Hey, I'm, I own a couple restaurants in Cleveland. If you need anything ever, just let me know. Uh huh. Fast forward a year later. We bump into each other, and uh, me and him started getting dinner every single Monday together. And uh, I'd hang out with him, and he'd teach me how to run a business a little bit better because I was doing a pretty bad job <laughs> at the time. Uh, and so uh, friendship sparked that way, which turned into uh, being able to start an unbelievable business relationship. Oh, my gosh. I love that story. The reality is, is Chris really went through the process that – we want our employees to go through. Mm -hmm. Chris was 25 years old. I was 35. And I was just uh, a few steps ahead of Chris. And I saw a lot of myself in Chris, just like we see a lot of ourselves with employees. I sat with two employees today who I haven't had an opportunity to be in front of in a long time because of COVID. Yeah. And I looked them both in the eye and just said, I want you to know that we appreciate you. This is an un unprecedented time. You're doing a great job. We want to know what your goals are and how can we help you. And that's what it's all about mm -hmm. is having an understanding of where people are, where they want to be, and then working together to, to accomplish some pretty cool things. And for people who hear this that are interested, that maybe are on the fence, maybe they had a year of upheaval last year and they thought, yeah, you know what? I, I think I might like a change. I, I, I like to cook. I like hanging out at things. I like events. I want to learn business. Where can they go? Where do they find some information on all of the positions that you're hiring for? Yeah, we certainly can go to the website. Um, Which is? Thedriftwoodgroup.com. I knew that. It was just a, it was a delay. It's it's always <laughs> believe it or not, it's always the hardest question, and I usually write it. And I usually write it down. <laughs> it looks good. I was on it earlier today. Sorry. The the other thing I think that's important is you, you do these interviews and you have these conversations, and maybe there's this perception that we think driftwood is perfect. We're not perfect. We make mistakes um, every day, and I think. Um, if you're not making mistakes, you're you're just not trying quite hard enough. Mm -hmm. And so we do make mistakes and we try and learn from them. But at the end of the day, um, Chris and I really want to have a, a company that is not only a leader in our industry, but a leader in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal. And, um, you know, we're set out on this journey here um, and we're going to see where it goes. Well, you beat me to the punch because I was going to hit you with a short-term, long-term goal question, but you did a pretty good job wrapping that all up. I know that you have a lot to do today. I know you have 400-plus people to hire. That's really exciting. I'm thrilled to meet you guys both for really the first time. Thanks for sitting down with me today. Conversations on the Foodcast enrich me. I know that our listeners walk away from hearing them, and they're just there's an area of the industry that's illuminated and that's really the goal. And that's why I created this. I look forward to supporting you guys um, and your endeavors because of this conversation we've had today. I really am feeling your interest, your sincerity, your drive, your passion. Thanks for shining a spotlight on all of this with me and the CLE Foodcast listeners. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for having us, and thanks to everybody who's listening and who has supported Driftwood. The CLE Foodcast is made possible by Chef Douglas Katz and the Katz Group of Restaurants, Zug, 
Chimmy, and Amba. We'd like to tell you about an upcoming event at Yellow House Cheese. It's an autumn open house on Sunday, November 7th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Take a farm tour, get essentials for Thanksgiving, including cheese, produce, and of course, turkeys. Bring your leftover Halloween pumpkins to feed the animals. In fact, you should pre-order your local Yellow House Thanksgiving turkey now. Visit yellowhousecheese.com to reserve your bird before they run out. Do you like this podcast? Well, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And why not share it with a friend? I have some terrific episodes coming up. Until next week, remember, stay hungry, be kind, and always, always set a bigger table.